You are listening to a conservative review production. Trust, but verify. You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz, and along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. Welcome to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is July 28th, well, actually turning into 29. It's around midnight, right after the big night, last night of the Democrat convention. I'm warning you guys, I am not a night person. So uh, this is kind of an experiment. And I wanted to just go off the inspiration of what's going on and get into my thoughts on the pagan Marxist convention, otherwise known as the DNC, And what we could learn from it. As you know, I'm not a punditry guy. I'm not a horse race guy. This is the conservative conscience. You know, what we should take out for our our values and what we need to do. But just before we get to that, a couple of housekeeping stuff here. Um, Obviously, as you know, my book came out. I'm really grateful and and just humbled by a lot of your comments and your thoughts and, and the fact that so many people are going out and buying it, ordering it on Amazon. It's available either there or WND.com, WorldNet Daily Superstore. That's my publisher. Um, we'll talk about that hopefully a little later. We, we really need to take back the courts, no matter what happens with this election. Just this week, you see, you've seen the transgenderism. I've written about that, um, throwing out voter ID laws. We have a serious, serious problem that no election could fix if we don't uh, follow some of the some ideas that I lay out, and hopefully we could push this together. We need to start a revolution. Um, I, I, in addition to that, I'll be on Levin TV. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Order your Levin TV if you haven't signed up for it. I will not yet be on Levin TV. I will be on Levin Radio Show next Tuesday night discussing stolen sovereignty, how to stop unelected judges from transforming America, a real discussion about fundamental rights, fundamental values that have been flipped on its head by the judiciary. So tune in. I don't think we have a time yet, but anyway, you guys should be listening to all three hours. So uh, you'll you'll definitely catch me one of the hours Tuesday night next week. And, uh, you know, as always, starting with your conservative conscience, vote your conscience. Uh, help support our partner here, Patriot Mobile. Sign up for Patriotic Conservative Mobile Service. Uh, ditch your your nonsense that you have now that donates to Planned Parenthood, to Hillary Clinton's campaign, and all sorts of uh, liberal causes. This is how the other side wins. Um, you watch the stagecraft at the DNC, and you see how much money these people have. I mean, certainly much grander than the Republican convention. They get the money. It's not from these uh, Mother Earth people. It's from the the corporate crowd. So um, we we, we got to beat them on on their own turf. PatriotMobile.com, sign up for a new plan. They have competitive rates. You get a 5%, uh, up to 5% of your funds go to a conservative cause of your choice. All righty, the DNC. We just got done with Trillery's speech. Um, I'm telling you, if I didn't have to do this for a living, oh my gosh, how painful, how depressing. But I will tell you this. I was very inspired by the Democrat convention. 
but not for the reason you think. I'll go a step further and kind of takes a chunk out of my manliness to say this, but uh, I I shed a tear a couple of times throughout the convention. Again, not for the reason you think. Not because I was inspired by the words they were saying. Not because I was saddened by it, although I certainly am saddened that we basically have a pagan Marxist culture. I was inspired in a very saddened way, in a very gloomy way, by how successful they are. This is the triumph of liberalism, of cultural Marxism, of everything that is immoral on display. And I was thinking just what could have been, what could have been. You watch the Democrats, and a lot of what they were saying is true in a very perverse scary way is true. What they said about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, they never give up and they don't. I remember when Hillary came in in 93, 94 and went straight into Pickett's charge and pushed for universal socialized medicine and she got crushed. The Democrats got crushed. Republicans took over Congress for the first time in four decades. And they've retained it for 18 of the last 22 years, and they've done nothing with it, and that's what I want to get to and kind of continue on some of the themes we broached during last podcast. But that's the point. They they don't give up. However hard it is, they don't come back and say, well, I don't know, the people aren't buying this, we need to reform. No, they reform their tactics. They come up with new and innovative ideas, uh, new and innovative tactics, but not new and innovative ideas. They pursue new ideas in order to double down and implement their old ta- their old um their old p- positions, their old immoral values. What you saw on display with Hillary Clinton's speech, it was literally Karl Marx. It was I mean there's there's no there's no way around that. She opened up by saying to the Bernie Sanders supporters, "Your cause is our cause." So this closes the loop of the two, three, four decade long realignment of the Democrat Party into a fully Marxist party. So we have a fully Marxist party on display. We have a de-civilization party. We're not just talking about championing immoral uh, concepts, but downright obsessing about transgenderism. Flipping fundamental rights on, on its head putting Christians in jail, putting illegal aliens ahead of Americans, just stuff that is completely divorced from the ideas of both of our our parties for most of our history. And you'll learn that certainly on immigration when you read the history of immigration law and our traditions um, in chapter 6 and 7 of of Stolen Sovereignty. But these guys, I, I am awestruck by how they go all out. You know, let's face it, between us, uh, you know, we don't even go all out. There are certain things that we kind of stifle because we're scared because of the education and values of the country now that they can't handle it and we kind of sugarcoat it. They don't sugarcoat anything they say. It's amazing. I mean, this was, you know, when a quarterback just airs it out, just goes for an 80-yard pass, or in baseball when you swing for the fences. I mean, this speech was Everything they believe in, they just put it out there. Not sugarcoated at all. And and I'm left thinking, 
how do they have more than 2% support? I'm not here to get into the punditry, how much of a bounce the Democrats are going to get. But let's just say they're at the very least roughly 50-50 now, if not ahead. How? How? How have they succeeded? I mean, this is almost like, like, like Lamentations here, where Lamentations starts off in the Bible of how. How have we fallen this low? How have we gotten to this point? They, they never give up, and they succeed. And, and I, I admired Hillary. I mean, let's face it. They have conquered us on every issue. The one issue they haven't succeeded is stripping us of our guns. That's the one issue that we've successfully won in the, in the culture and the body politic for the most part. She said, I am going to conquer this head on. And, and kind of playing up on, playing off of her role in, in socialized medicine, how she, she failed at it and came back 20 years later and succeeded. These people don't give up. I was inspired and awestruck by how people could so badly believe in the veracity of their views. They are so morally clear on their immorality. They are so united. And again, they don't don't you know tell me about this Bernie Sanders stuff. It's all called a cult of personality or they don't like the corruption about Hillary, but about the ideas and the ideology, name me one issue where they differ. They are all united and, and perfectly at peace with their views. No matter how divorced from reality that it is, no matter how dangerous it is security-wise, no matter how grotesquely contorted um, they, they make our, our foundational values, they, they have the chutzpah to get up there and not only promote it, but what I give them credit for is they... they they couch it in values and faith and family and our founders. I mean, she mentioned founders in the Constitution, um, you know, and, and some of, uh, you know, I believe she mentioned um, Alexis de Tocqueville, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, much more than Donald Trump or any of the Republicans did. I mean, they, 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 will, they will smear their, their immoral ideas in our moral values. How did we get here? What brought a tear to my eye is, again, and I know I mentioned this during, during the last uh, podcast, I watched Ronald Reagan's 1988 speech where he was handing off the baton. And it's really hard to appreciate what that man accomplished. There was no Republican Party to speak of. They, they never, again, they never accomplished anything post-World War II. They, were, they never fought for anything. It's just like I always say, the consequences of them not fighting weren't so grave because the Democrat Party wasn't the party of Marxism and decivilization, as bad as they were at the time. The consequences of them fighting for nothing now are the destruction of our civilization because the Democrats, as, on, as witnessed by the display at the DNC... They, they believe in this stuff, and boy, oh boy, will they fight for it, and they'll never give up. They're indefatigable. But, but Ronald Reagan, you know, some of the views we're espousing by our own party, our own movement, are viewed as radical. My book is viewed as radical by the entire conservative legal profession. Oh, to strip the courts of jurisdiction. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, when Mark Levin talks about Article 5 conventions, I mean— they don't even allow us to pursue the constitutional avenues to take back our country from the bloodless coup of 
lawlessness and not following the Constitution. I, I, I readily believe in the morality of we have the right to rebel against what they've done. But we're not even advocating that. We're advocating merely using the constitutional tools that we have, and they don't want to use them. Ronald Reagan pushed jurisdiction stripping. And believe me, they, they were for issues that were, I mean, you're talking about school busing and, and prayer. Um, that, that's the issues they were dealing with then. They were, weren't dealing with mandating transgenderism, um, finding and imprisoning Christians for peacefully adhering to what we've adhered to our entire history, especially with their own private property. You didn't have any of this stuff. Reagan was very impatient. He wanted constitutional amendments. He wanted all this stuff. He wanted an economic bill of rights. But he knew there was a limit to what a man could do with eight years when you're just one man and he didn't have talk radio. He didn't have the whole infrastructure in place. He had a lot of fifth columnists, even in his own administration, just because he was the first conservative president. So, you know, naturally, a lot of the Republican leftovers were a bunch of pukes. But he ended off his speech when he handed it over. He expected this to just be the beginning. And he and he said, I quote, there's still there's still I'm sorry, we. we reading the wrong wrong line here we lit a prairie fire a few years back those flames were fed by passionate ideas and convictions and we were determined to make them run all burn i should say all across america and what times we've had together we've fought for causes we love but we can never let the fire go out or quit the fight because the battle is never over our freedom must be defended over and over again and then again, <laughs> this is what you heard in a very perverse, completely opposite way from Obama and Clinton and Biden and all these people. They will never give up. That, 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 that This is what we had in Reagan. And yet, that fire was extinguished immediately with George H.W. Bush. And we went backwards and backwards and backwards for the last 28 years. We have never won or lost fighting for what Reagan fought for. We've died on their hills. We've fallen on their swords. In retrospect, the longest serving GOP House Speaker was nothing but a gay pedophile. We lost because of two gay pedophile scandals, Larry Craig and Mark Foley, and big government corruption. We ceded the moral high ground to them. I remember to this day, the 2006 election, we uh, the Democrats running to the right of us on on the role of government and values. And again, of course, <laughs> they're Marxist, they're cultural Marxist, but they shroud in our values. It's no excuse for uh, their, their lies and, and schemes and just immoral twisting of, of values is no excuse for us allowing them to seize the high ground, allowing them to co-opt our values. And that's how we've lost. And, you know, I'm watching... All these speeches, and you know, there, there's there's two there's really two parts to them, and they're interwoven. There's their plans for America, their their ideas. I don't think they're resonating. It, it's it's the same old Marxism, just more extreme than than ever before, more boldly proclaimed than ever before. Also, they're they're kind of just Baghdad Bob, as I wrote, you know, in my in my column yesterday. They're just so disconnected from reality even democrats your average american doesn't believe in the chirpy you know pro prosperous secure times that they're talking about i mean no one no one sees that this is not 1988 when reagan was able to say that and hand it off to, to bush as they're trying to do to hillary and, and, and you know that 
that that's obviously a big mistake on their part to try to ignore the grave threats we face now no one believes that you know the biggest threat to our society is the lack of transgender bathrooms you know as as corrupt and immoral as as our society has become but nonetheless there was a second thread common threat to these uh speeches which is their takedown of donald trump and i must say 90 percent of it i couldn't disagree with (laughs) <laughs> Again, we we could talk about the you know the glass uh, glass jaw that they have that they're even worse that they're even more corrupt. Of course, there's no question about it. But when they talk about one man saying that he's going to solve everything, it's 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 bottom up. It's not. It's you know we have divided government. <laughs> How the hell were they able to co-opt us after a megalomaniac eight years? of a guy who has been doing things that even King George couldn't do. But Donald Trump has so washed that away with his megalomania and his top-down authoritarianism that they were allowed to seize the high ground. They never mentioned faith at their convention. They never mentioned God. So they're able to mention their faith. And their faith is paganism, but they shroud it in our rhetoric. We have a crisis of conscience, as I mentioned last time. I'm not going to sit here for the next, whatever it is, three, four months and defend everything this man does. We're going to expose Hillary Clinton. We're going to expose the Democrats. We're going to focus on what we need to do in the long run. We're going to continue writing on what other people aren't focusing on. They should be instead of just being, you know, as Mark Levin calls them, the pom-poms and the rockets for the Fox News culture of the Republican uh, establishment and whatever Donald Trump does. We're going to focus on what the courts are doing to our country as we speak. We can't recover from this judicial tyranny if we just don't say no and and reform the judiciary. And the national security stuff that's going on, the stuff that's going on in Afghanistan, we're going to have articles up in the coming days on this. I'm very proud of the work we've done. We're going to stay where we are. Whatever you want to fill in the bubble for, if you want to vote for Trump, I'm not trying to talk you out of doing that. But what we face, the choice in front of us, is not Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. That's the choice at the top of the ballot you'll have for the 10 seconds you fill that out at your polling station on November, on, on you know, that first Tuesday in November. The, the choice we have is not whether I am going to become Hillary Clinton or I become Donald Trump. Let's become ourselves. Let's return to our values. Let's call the balls on strikes on issue after issue where we should be, where we should strive to be, beyond what you voted on this election. Like I said, let's focus on laying the framework for declaring war back on the courts, for reforming our system wholesale, going back to some of the things Reagan wanted to do and doing them better especially at a time like like today when there's more of a need for some of the things he wanted. What we're doing is not working. You know, I'm at all these meetings with uh, either conference calls or meetings with various people in the comatose conservative movement, and uh, it's just everything is no. Everything I say is no. And look, all my ideas might not be great, but pick two or three of them. At least we're picking ideas. Whether it's reforming our primary system to state conventions, whether it's starting a third party, which we needed a long time ago, which the time is right for it. Whether it's pursuing judicial reform, 
there's something about standing, and I've had so many liberals in my life tell me this, there's something very noble about conservatism when it's pursued unvarnished and unhypocritically. And we've lost that high ground. Well, Hillary Clinton, oh, she's a tool of the Muslim Brotherhood, so it's okay if our guy's a tool of Putin. Well, no, it's that, that that's not okay. I mean, you might want to make a binary choice and lesser of two evils, like we all, fine, I'm not going to talk you out of that, that's fine. But, <laughs> I mean, a big government lack of morals is not what we stand for. Playboy and uh, Penthouse and National Enquirer is not what we stand for. And when we lose that ground, we lose it forever. This is what we've been doing. And I was just inspired by the Democrats. I really was. I was thinking to myself, this stuff they're saying is so immoral. It's so wrong. It's so harmful. It's so insane. It's so divorced from our history and traditions and our founding. Yet they are so sure of themselves. They are so willing to fight for it. Don't we deserve our own party, our own movement, where we could fight with at least equal and opposing force for what we believe in? Do we have to settle for this crap sandwich every two and four years? And it's getting worse. As Mark Levin mentioned when he talked about my article on down-the-ballot races, the establishment is winning more than ever. The liars... There's three levels of congressional races. There's when we try to challenge their incumbents, there's open seats, and then they challenge our the few incumbents we have. We failed to knock off a single incumbent this cycle, House or Senate. And as I noted before, we've really never done it in the Senate successfully ever. Um, not, not, not a purely uh, you know, incumbent Republican seat. Open seats, we've gotten maybe three this cycle. And mind you, it's a 435 member body. And then half of those guys usually go south on us because there's too few to just create a critical mass for something to join. Something to be a part of. So they've won They've won those seats. Now they've taken their roadshow on to the final frontier, where they are going after the few incumbents we have. I'll tell you this, next Tuesday is our Waterloo. Tuesday, August 2nd. There's a race in Kansas. Tim Hulescamp, friend of mine, I know a staff, really good guy, easily in the top five House conservatives. Um, he fought Boehner before it was cool to fight him. He's a social, fiscal, and national security conservative. But again, not just as a platform like all Republicans are, but he will actually fight for it. He is, he's kind of in the mold of a Ted Cruz. He endorsed Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is endorsing him. And, and oh, by the way, where the hell is Donald Trump with this guy under fire from the establishment now. Again, I don't expect him to go after incumbents, but at least protecting an, an, an incumbent, a conservative one. So you have you have basically a whore for the lobbyists and and, and big ag and um, big government liberal guy who supports the internet sales tax. Um, but he's out there, God, country, babies, I'm a conservative, but I'll be more effective than Tim Hulescamp. And this guy outraised our guy. The system is rigged. The same system that elected Donald Trump, ironically. And, and uh, I, I, this is where we are. But again, it's not worth fighting over that. 
If you're listening and you love Donald Trump, you hate him, you're somewhere in between, you're going to vote for him, you're not going to vote for him, it doesn't matter. Either way, we have to recognize and agree upon everything else we're discussing here, that we have no party, we have no movement, and look at the Democrats. If nothing else, learn from them. That's what we should strive for among our own ranks. And I guarantee you we'd see better results. People respect clarity. People respect a strong show of force. We'll see what happens with the convention bounce. But I'll tell you, I remember, I remember four years ago, it was a similar thing. Mitt Romney had a very milquetoast, pathetic convention. Um, Gallup, as Gallup said, reported back then, they got zero bounce for the first time ever. Democrats got a massive bounce. It was a dehumanization campaign against Romney. But it was, it was kind of like, it was not unsimilar to this year. I mean, this is how they are. They just get more extreme and bolder every time with Republicans retreating on the issues every time. Um. You know, they didn't shy away from a single fight. You know, our guys usually say, well, I don't know. I mean, even the conservatives, well, this two or th- these two or three issues, I don't know. <laughs> you can't really talk about those. They're not winning issues. Democrats will go straight into Pickett's charge, and they'll charge, and they'll charge, and they'll char- charge. They'll come until they get it. They'll never fail. Ronald Reagan put us into scoring position in 1988 he did what he could do he got us got our men on the field got marched us down the field got us into scoring position all we had to do was just build on that we went backwards we tossed an interception we let them take the ball and we've never gotten the ball back they're scoring touchdown after touchdown they're fundamentally remaking the culture they're remaking our system of governance um it's so bad you had a Republican judge. Again, you're not going to hear this anywhere else because no one's talking about this. Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals lamented the fact that the Supreme Court hasn't yet fully codified transgenderism. I say fully because they have halfway and some of the circuits have. Um, but they didn't want to go there, but they said, really, we should. This is where you have Republican appointed judges. This is where we are. What we're doing is not working. I don't do this to, to disappoint you. I don't do this to be the Grim Reaper. I know I'm known as kind of the, the, the prince of darkness in this movement. I, but as you see, I always parlay it into positive ideas that I challenge anyone else to come up with more positive ideas than we do here at Conservative Review, the Conservative Conscience. Um, you know, I do it because the first step in actually solving the problem is recognizing the severity of the problem. And the problem is not just Trump. It's not just never Trump. It's not just one election cycle. It's what we've been doing for the past 28 years. And if we want to look at a blueprint of intrepidness, of unflinching, undefatigable energy in pursuit of a cause, look at what the Democrats are doing. Look at them and let's build and model a movement if nothing else, after what the Democrats are doing. We're out of time here. There's so much more. Next week, I really look forward to the hard launch of my book now that the conventions are over with. Let's start with building a party around rebuilding our system of governance, at least striving to win elections. Right now, even if we win elections, the courts will throw out everything we do. 
The courts have to be dealt with. Immigration has to be dealt with. Religious liberty has to be dealt with. They are all discussed in Stolen Sovereignty. Please order your copy. Um, you know, if you go to the WND bookstore, they have them autographed by me. Not that that's a big deal. I'm just a 31-year-old guy with, with a lovely wife and three kids that, that just cares. Um, we, we, we can't do this alone. As always, email me, tweet me at rmconservative, your ideas. Let's organize together. Let, let's, let's think bigger. Let's think stronger. Let's think better than the Democrats, not, not, not lower, not, not lower expectations than them. Let's think beyond what they're doing. Let's expand upon their tactics and strategies to implement such better, more morally sound, more constitutionally and legally sound ideas that will better our society, that will better better our economy, economy better our, our, our culture. Thanks for listening as always, guys. I couldn't do this without you. You guys are an inspiration to me every day. It keeps me going. Let's work this together. Let's spawn a new revolution come this fall, no matter what happens. God bless. And until next time, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.